and welcome to Doc to Me. Well, for all our fellow Texans, that uh, we've really got a lot, lot of listeners. Hey, how y'all doing? <laughs> My name is Heather, and I'm Kathleen. And this week, oh boy, we are covering Evil Genius on Netflix. It's a solid, solid documentary. Do you remember when this happened? I do indeed. <laughs> really big fucking deal (laughs) i remember because i was in what was basically a blow-off computer class like even though it's during the 2000s we've grown up with computers we're still gonna spend an hour and a half every day like learning microsoft and it was such a waste of time yeah we already knew all that shit yeah i so during that class i would just go on news sites and stuff and i remember that like the picture of him with the bomb sitting in front of that car and i was like what is happening? I would say it's a very iconic image. Like, I remember the news sites were like, could this be terrorism? Because it was like two years after 9-11. I yeah. was like, I don't think they're going that route. It's a very... Bizarre. Small. Terrorist attack. Yeah. Like... In Erie, Pennsylvania. Yeah. <laughs> Just... Not quite not quite the target that you would expect no. for terrorism. No, not at all. Uh, so I don't want to give too much away just yet, but the director, Trey, oh God, what is his name? Borzillary? That sound Sounds right? good to me. I remember seeing it pop up and I was like, oof. That's going to be a tough one. <laughs> I'll have fun with that. He got the idea to make a series about a high-profile crime after watching the HBO documentary Paradise Lost about the West Memphis Three case, which I remember that. Yeah. And then when more information came out about this case, he got super interested and spent years interviewing people in Erie, Pennsylvania to get more information, including extensive interviews with the main culprit of this story. He's like married. Like he was dedicated to this boxes of letters yeah like that's like a relationship that you have not let go of like and it was produced by the duplass brothers which i've never been disappointed by anything i've seen or heard come out of them because they were also in a band (laughs) i loved it this is a very complicated story it It really is a lot of people luckily there's not people with, like, the same first name or anything, which we've come across before, and it's huh. like, oh, my God. Yeah, no, it's, it's a lot of But there's a lot of Different people. people and different types of people. And where'd they meet some of the... Like, fishing buddy. <laughs> Crack dealer and fishing buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Very weird. This may be two episodes, probably, because it's just a lot... Yeah, it was definitely... Like, and I'm on a ton of coffee, so I'm sure I'll talk a lot. Yeah, so. <laughs> I, I could go on for hours, honestly. August 28th, 2003, 46-year-old Brian Wells is working at a pizza delivery driver at Mamma Mia's Pizzeria in Erie for 10 years before his death. Just after 1.30 p.m., the pizzeria received a call from a payphone at a nearby gas station. The owner, Tony DeTomo, which... That's a great fucking name. For a pizza owner, yeah. I could just, hey, Tony Dodomo. (laughs) (laughs) He could not understand the customer and passed the phone to Wells, who received a call to order, received a call to deliver two sausage and pepperoni pizzas to 8631 Peach Street, an address a few miles from the pizzeria. 
The address was the location of the transmitting tower for WSEE-TV -TV, at the end of a dirt road. Brian Wells enters a PNC bank in Erie, Pennsylvania around 2.30 p.m. and slides a note to a teller. The note states that the bomb would explode in 15 minutes and the full amount needs to be handed over within that time. The teller tells him that the vault can't be accessed that quickly, so instead hands him a bag containing $8,702. Which is not a lot of money for what is happening. <laughs> no. We'll wait until you find out how much he had asked for. Yeah. <laughs> And with that, he exits the bank at 2.38. A witness calls 911 from the bank and reports a male leaving the bank with a bomb around his neck. According to witnesses and surveillance, Wells walked in, waited in line, which sounds ridiculous if you have a bomb around your neck. Yeah, not and you're terrified. something that a normal person would do when they're robbing the bank. <laughs> they just kind of go up and skip everyone. It gets better. Because when he reaches the counter, he grabs a lollipop and begins sucking on it. <laughs> to be fair, though, those dum-dums are delicious. He appeared confident as he left the bank, he swinging skipped. his cane gun and a bag of money, quote-unquote, like Charlie Chaplin, one <laughs> witness reported. Fucking weird. Also, yeah. a cane gun? <laughs> the what? whole... The whole thing is just so bizarre. It's like so everything bizarre. about this case is weird. Yeah, the cane gun. I was like, where do you get that? Yeah, like, do people like? How is anyone even supposed to know it's a gun? Like, I mean, I guess the bomb is threat enough, but but I mean, if you look at it, it's obvious. It's not like one of those where like Russians would use to assassinate. It is very obvious when you look at it that there is a giant ass gun attached to it. I guess that's true. I'd be more focused on the bomb, but you know, I'm I'm always looking at the bigger picture, or I guess the smaller picture. And then they keep referring to it as a note he gave the bank, which it was a whole goddamn letter. It's a letter. It is not a note. Nothing involved in this is short. No, it is a straight up letter. You're losing ch time just for the manager to read this, and also he... it's like the Friends episode with. Rachel giving Ross that, like, massive breakup letter. And he's like, it was like six pages, front and back. <laughs> She's like, you didn't read it. It's like, no one has time for that. <laughs> I didn't watch Friends. Oh, sorry. It's okay. So he had asked for $250,000 and got less than 9000 Yeah, it was definitely cool. <laughs> not even cool, cool, cool. close. So if whoever put this bomber on his neck had given him nine pages of information. I'm not saying notes. No, it was not. They kept calling it notes. These were like, these were fucking like massive. Small prints. It, it top was. Top to bottom. It was a fucking manifesto. It yes. Was, it was a manifesto. Like that. It was not a note. It wasn't like some short little cute scavenger hunt when you're watching like Supermarket Sweep. Like, no. No, it was it was a full on rambling manifesto, and I don't understand how he even had time to read it. No, uh, it has all the steps he needs to complete before he can get the bomb off, which he's got fifty five minutes, and there was maybe a step he completed would give him an extra hour, but it's still not not enough. No, fifteen minutes after robbing the bank, this is as far as he gets. Police arrest him. 
Because he was still in the area. He like, can't even and get I like, to the second task. I like how they were saying that, like, they're on the cusp of, you know, two different border states. And so you can basically get on the highway and go to another state within minutes. And he chose to stick around. Yeah. Which is not something, they're like, you know, I would rob the bank and I would be on the freeway and like, bam, in another state. It wasn't like he state. was even the next town over. It was like the parking lot down the street. And he really, yeah, literally. Like, and it's not like he wasn't like super obvious either in his attire and manners. The car he was in is hard to miss. Yeah. Like he literally was just in a McDonald's, well, I guess he wasn't in the McDonald's parking lot anymore. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. yeah, that was where the ne- he had to go find the next clue. Yeah. So it was... Ugh. Police saw him standing outside his automobile. You're on the run from robbing a bank. He's outside his automobile. They arrest him, handcuffed him, and left him sitting on the ground in the parking lot. And the picture of him sitting on the ground in front of the car, which I think was a Geo Metro, because <laughs> that dude knows how to party. <laughs> it's my favorite car. <laughs> my dad had one. It was so fun. Anytime you'd hit a bump in the road. We'd smack our heads on the roof of it. Great gas mileage. Oh, yeah. But yeah, the picture of him on the ground, handcuffed in front of his car, that seared into my brain. Oh, yeah. It's, like I said, it's a very iconic image. Even before we find out any of the other bizarre shit with this. (laughs) It's insane. Wells said that three unnamed black people had placed a bomb around his neck, provided him with... just like to say that it's always the black people. It's always... Stop blaming people of color. Seriously. Blame a white person if you're going to make something up because there's so many of us. Seriously. (laughs) Switch it up for a bit. They provided him with a shotgun and told him they would kill him unless he committed the robbery and completed several other tasks. It's a scavenger hunt. Who robs a bank with a scavenger hunt? Well, and the instructions didn't even rhyme. If you're doing a decent scavenger hunt, the clues need to rhyme. Seriously. It's like the upside of having a scavenger hunt. The responding officers did not attempt to disarm the device. Instead, focus on clearing the immediate area of pedestrians and hopefully the McDonald's employees. They're the real heroes. It's teenagers working for minimum (laughs) wage. And they were just ensuring Wells could not detonate the device, which... He was sitting there handcuffed in front of a car <laughs> with, like, a bunch of cops behind their cop cars shooting... Or not shooting, sorry. Pointing guns at yes. him. The bomb squad, bomb squad was first called at 3.04 p.m., at least 30 minutes after the first 911 call from the bank, and about 10 minutes after Wells was arrested. At 3.18, three minutes before the squad, bob, bomb squad arrived... The bomb detonated and blasted a fist-sized hole in Wells' chest, killing him in seconds. And yes, if you haven't seen this already, they do show the footage of that. Yes, they do. <laughs> and I was not prepared for that. Oh, had you not seen this one before? No, I... Well, actually, I had, but I had forgotten. Oh, okay. It was like it had been long enough that I had forgotten that they showed it. Because I remember distinctly after like, I saw it, I was like... I remember this from I my past even, life. I'm sorry, I should have Well, and I had seen it, so I was like, oh yeah, I know like all the, because you know, I was super invested in the case. I remember in high school when the video footage came out. Yeah, and so I've, I've definitely seen the man explode before, but it was just. 
we are just our poor brains i've seen a lot of fucked up stuff so i mean i've i've definitely seen worse yeah and it's not like super graphic but it is sad the way the bomb was intended to go off it would have been way worse yeah no it definitely was not a well-made bomb no which is why like the idea that it was like a terrorist attack i mean it only killed the potential terrorists that's (laughs) not how terror attacks work so yeah just if you haven't seen this they do show footage of that uh, traffic congestion in the area delayed the bomb squad's arrival, but personnel from the ATF still consider the response time a quick. Yeah, Which they I were mean, like, I, they were like, it's a solid response time. They were three minutes yeah, too they, late, but I mean, that's still you got to load everybody up, getting that, and yeah, I drive mean, to the location. I they mean, literally closed the roads down, so all these other cars are just stuck there. You're trying to get around that. Yeah. It was kind of. It was unfortunate but i do think that they at least put in the effort that they could yeah i mean and it i did feel bad that he like just sat there with a bomb strapped on him like handcuffed while cops are pointing guns but it's also creepy his response he didn't seem he was so calm but i don't know that's what kills me because i'm like was he i'm so torn because it's like some people do react have that different way. Different reactions. But, but I would have been hysterical. And he and wasn't. Just, he was just so mellow. But it's also when you see the footage of him inside the bank, like he's so calm through that. Like almost like it's a joke to him. Yeah. So it's it definitely it it definitely has me torn in so many different directions because I'm like, who behaves that way? But yeah. at the same time, like, I don't know. I mean, I would be frantic. I get, I, I don't have any mellow chill at all, <laughs> like in any situation. But, I mean, who knows? And so why do we have footage of this explosion? I'm sure you're asking. WJET TV, an eerie ABC affiliate, broadcast the event live on the air, but did not show the moment of the detonation live due to a technical problem. Thank God. That's insane. That's like the Bud Dwyer thing where they're like, showed it live and then kept showing it throughout the evening. I have seen that. Yeah, I have too. So again. And I'm like, why did they show Brian this? Not Wells just once. But exploding was not as bad no. as it could have been. No. And yes. we know for sure Bud Dwyer was innocent. <laughs> that's that's the terrible part with that one. Yeah, it was. it was definitely insane. The station provided the footage to FBI investigators, ABC's head office, and sister station in Buffalo, New York. The footage was subscant- substantially, subs- subsequently, subsequently, caffeine subsequently <laughs> leaked to a shock jock on DC 101, a radio station in Washington, DC, who posted it on his website September 2003. He was eventually forced to take the video down, but obviously this is the internet. If it's even up for two minutes. It never leaves. Yeah. It's never gone. So the cops find the notes in his car and read through them. And holy shit, these it instructions is a lot of information. were obsessive. You got to take this road to this road. Don't go faster than 60 miles per hour. Go to this side of the McDonald's. Stop by this certain sign. And then had drawings all over it. There were so many drawings. Why do they need to draw... A yellow traffic signal sign. They drew 
the McDonald's sign. Everyone knows what a McDonald's sign looks like. You don't need to draw it. And then they pointed an arrow to a rock that he needed to look like. Just say, hey, there's a big rock by this McDonald's sign. <laughs> don't need drawings. It was so detailed and in-depth and like rambling and just I don't understand how anyone could have even read any of that in an hour. Yeah, you have to be a fast reader because it's insane. Anyway, so he's supposed to rob this bank and then follow the instructions for a scavenger hunt for more clues to eventually find the four keys needed to disarm the bomb. So the cops are following the scavenger hunt and come upon this old, dirty-looking van that seems really suspicious. Unfortunately, it drives off, and the cops are too far away to be able to catch up to it. But at least it might be a clue. Yeah, at this point, they got nothing. Yeah, they had, like, come to the scene of, like, the next clue, and the clue was not where it was supposed to be, but there's this mystery van that, like, is waiting and then drives off. Like, it's pretty suspicious. Yeah. Um, but also, can we talk about, like, the footage of Brian Wells just, like, laying out in his underwear? Like, yes. his poor little tiny whiteies and, like, just the lack of dignity and all of that. Like, he was wearing clothes when the bomb went off. The bomb well, he didn't... even had that one... He had two shirts on. Yes, yeah, so let's talk sh- about the yeah. Guess t-shirt that Which was I over the bomb. it was just an old shirt or if they wrote that on there. It kind of looked like they wrote it on there. I couldn't tell. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it looked like it was just, like, you know, like someone's poor attempt at making a Guess t-shirt. <laughs> I couldn't tell. But he so was he wearing his, all of that. He had his shirt on. They put a bomb around his neck and tried to cover it. With, with a, a t-shirt. Shirt, <laughs> yeah. Which I don't know why you're trying to cover it when you're giving them a note that says. There's a bomb. To give to the teller that says there's a bomb. I mean, maybe for like so when then he's you're gonna driving to, show to the, the bank. Bo- and know. then like when he's like walking into the bank, maybe just, I don't. But he's got that cane gun. Yeah. So what is the point of hiding the bomb? I don't know. The I obvious know. cane gun. But the whole point of this is that the man was wearing clothes. The bomb yes. did not blow well, they his cut, clothes off. They cut the guest shirt off so they could get a better look at the bomb, which I don't know. Because it looked like they just cut it up the sides. So it's still like on around his... It's so weird. Yeah, but then it's just the footage. It, like, it just sticks in my mind. The footage of him laid out, deceased... With his tidy whities showing, and I'm like, you the think poor you man. Put, like, at like, least put like some that they do now. Like they kind of put the tarp around, around. Like, to cover. Yeah, like well, and also because it's outside, wind's gonna be blowing stuff away. And yeah, you're losing all your damn evidence. Not Just, a tarp, a tent. That's what I meant. A tent, yes. Same thing, you know. So, okay, so the problem with this case is the state police want to handle it, but the ATF steps in because a bomb was involved. But wait, bank the robbery FBI. is also, also involved, so FBI wants it. FBI ends up getting the lead in the case, and it becomes case number 203. The FBI execute a search warrant on Brian's Wells' home and don't find any physical evidence linking him to the bomb, but they know he had to be somehow involved. Which, oh, I'm glad they start off with his house. Because each house they go to after this. Just progressively just worse gets worse and, and worse. worse. Like, let's talk about the cheese whiz cans. Okay, you noticed that too? <laughs> yes. Okay. 
Uh, it's I put a lot that in of the notes. Whiz. I put that in the notes. <laughs> I did. I made note about it. <laughs> it, was, it was like, holy crap, the cheese whiz cans. <laughs> so, yeah, they think he somehow had to be involved because he's just casually strolling through the bank. He waits in line, grabs a lollipop. Oh, like, you if you thought picked. your life was in danger, I feel like this is not how you would react. His landlord also doesn't think he was involved. He was just a sweet guy, which how many times have we heard this about people? He's he a sweet guy. A nice guy. He lives in a guest house with three cats and takes his mom out to the movies. And I don't know. I- I'm going to second guess a guy living alone with three cats and hangs out with his mom. But that's just me. And he's 46. And yeah. And he delivers pizzas. Which, I mean, you know, whatever. Like, a job's a job. A job's a job. But, like, he didn't have ambitions? I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It's just, it seems weird to me. For the FBI agents to be able to get what was left of the bomb off this body, they basically have to decapitate him. But Which, yes, another note that I made. They said they it was in a cut caring... off his head. They said they did it in a caring way, which, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah, the... They the, didn't use a rusted, jagged knife, so yeah, it was in a it was caring like the, way? Yeah, the coroner basically talking about, like, he felt bad, but, like, they had to get the bomb off in one piece and be able to preserve the evidence, so they had to cut his head off. And that, his family, like, definitely talks about it a lot. Which, I was like, I understand their anger, but if you want to solve this, that's what you gotta do to be able to get it in one piece. Yeah, no, I totally understand the the need for cutting his head off like I mean, that's a huge that's like the main piece of evidence right. that they have right now exactly and you don't want to destroy it in any way and like i mean if brian wells is innocent then you want to make sure that you have all the evidence pointing to that like yeah so i mean i get it it's sad it sucks i feel bad for his family but i mean there's a lot of people who don't get family members back at all so yeah i mean he's he's gone and it's just his body they did what they had to. I don't know. I tell my husband all the time, if I die, just throw me in a cardboard box. I don't care. But some people, I, I know. On August 31st, 2003, Wells' co-worker at the pizza store and its only other delivery driver, which I found that shocking, Robert Panetti was found dead in his home after suffering a drug overdose. I wish they would have interviewed Tony DeTomo. I also <laughs> wish that they had interviewed him. I would have Just liked a little see, bit more insight. I want to know what his reaction is that two of his delivery drivers, like, in three or four days are dead. It's pretty suspect. I mean, I just, I, I want to find out his thoughts on this. <laughs> just, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, like, is what is going on with your pizza delivery? <laughs> You've got one employee getting blown up on a Thursday, and then by Sunday, you've got your only other delivery driver dead of a drug overdose. Apparently, the cops were trying to get Panetti to be interviewed, but he had scheduled it for Monday, which that's pretty suspicious. He dies, like, on the Sunday. night before. His, yeah, police interview. It's very that weird. he had scheduled. He had picked that day. They talked to some other people who told them that he had gone around asking for protection, but never says what for. Also, how hard was this for you to watch? Because this first episode, they keep showing footage of the cops working the case, and it's right in front of Texas Roadhouse. 
How triggering was that? I made a note of that because <laughs> I literally was like, oh my God, I really want fucking Roadhouse right now. I was like, like this has got to be hard for Kathleen. It is my favorite place. Because I played that clip a couple of times. Yes. And I just, I actually made a note of it because I was like, oh my God, is that a Roadhouse parking lot? Get a Roadhouse. Ugh, <laughs> oh, definitely. Also, can we talk about how the reporter did not have any neck? Yes. <laughs> I forgot about that. I loved that guy, though. He was great. He was great, but also no neck. No. <laughs> so at this point, they learned that Panetti and Wells hung out and would go gambling together. How much are they making as delivery drivers? Yeah, like, I just... So at this point, they knew Panetti and Wells hung out and would go gambling together. Panetti has a history of drug use, and Wells frequently visited sex workers to the point he's got what is actually a list he does he has a list in this case i would describe it as a list he has a he has a list a little black book a list of hookers it's not even like a black book it's straight up like notebook he's yeah he's in he has a notebook page of hookers <laughs> who knew that there were that many hookers in erie pennsylvania but this is again like how much are they making at this pizza place? They've I can't. Got, I can't afford a hooker. They both have gambling debts. He visits sex workers. The other guy buys drugs. I'm like, this is not. They are making bank. I guess when you don't have kids. <laughs> so could they have? So you're telling me if I didn't have kids, I could get oh, hookers. Oh, we'd all be rich. <laughs> I'd have so many hookers. Could they both have accumulated debts and needed to rob this bank to pay them off? It's so we go into what the Probable. actual yeah <laughs> we go into what the actual bomb like how it's set up and holy shit there is so much to it and it is really hard to catch a bomb maker it is yeah like honestly because, when you, like they said they you know a lot of bomb makers don't buy things and they throw the tools away so yeah. it's like not traceable well, look at uh uh kuklinski right kaczynski Kaczynski. Yes, Ted Kaczynski. Yes. Um, yeah, like his stuff, he used a lot of wood. Just bizarre. Yeah. And then not only that, when these bombs go off, shit scatters everywhere. It's a gigantic crime scene. Yeah, it's it's very like widespread. I mean, in this one, it was a little bit more contained because the bomb... It didn't go like it was supposed to. Yeah, the bomb, you know. He had like... More into him than outward. He had like made like gouges in the back so that when it blew up it would yeah he had, to pieces he had, but it wasn't he had like scored, scored the wood or the, the metal, metal yeah but he, he didn't do metal, it deep he, enough yeah, so, that, so you could see where like where it's kind of broke up and that's kind of what killed him because that went into him but other than that it was pretty contained yeah they still didn't find everything i think they said he found like 97 percent of the bomb or something yeah it was it was it was definitely like in the high 90s but Again, like, they didn't find all the pieces because, you know. The chances of you finding every single piece is, it's just not possible. No. Unless it goes off inside, like, a small contained <laughs> area. Box. Yeah. So the evidence is usually very low. And then with this one to complicate things, there's wires and a cell phone that don't connect to anything. It's just there to throw whoever is looking at this off. And just, yeah, distract, make it harder to disassemble. The police also take the scavenger hunt route, which was basically the same conditions that Brian would have taken. 
and they determined he would not have been able to successfully complete it in time to no there was no possible way to finish that scavenger hunt in the time that he had before the bomb went off and you were supposed to have four keys to be able to disable it which they figured out it would only take two and even then still didn't have time yeah it was literally mission impossible so whether he's a willing participant or not he was gonna die that day and then as if the notes weren't bizarre enough they determined that they were typed out and then traced over with another piece of paper which is who would take the time so to do that bizarre it's i could understand if it was like a short little note but these are nine pages of tracing over that small font people talk about how like de- like how long the john benet like ransom letter was this is like a million times because you're typing it out printing it and then tracing over every like it's insane it just i i mean i'm i'm assuming that their logic is just that like it would be harder to trace but like what the fuck bro who has time for that (laughs) just write it with your left hand like everybody else does or in my case my right hand (laughs) that's true i forgot i i apologize don't forget the so they released some of the note and the parts of the bomb to the public because they're at a standstill with this investigation there's no forensic information at this time so it's just a waiting game until someone slips up and spills information which three weeks later state police receive a rather strange phone call a man calls to report a dead body in a freezer in his garage, and there's a woman named Marjorie Deal Armstrong who they might want to pick up and question. <laughs> this is only three weeks later. Like, they already have enough shit they're dealing with. The caller is identified as Bill, Ro- Bill Rothstein, and he is quite a character. He really is. When you think of what a typical, like, high school science teacher would look like, it's he is this that. guy. Yeah. It's this guy. He is he looks like he's smart yes except he's a handyman and part-time shop teacher yeah which was interesting yeah interesting choice but it also sounds awful lot like someone who know might know how to build a bomb rothstein was born january 17 1944 and dated deal armstrong in the late 1960s to 1970s and in 1977 he was implicated in a murder after he gave a handgun to a friend who used it to murder a romantic rival. He later attempted to destroy the weapon, but was granted immunity from prosecution in exchange for his testimony. Don't lend your gun to people. No, ever. Like. <laughs> so dumb. It's always something what bad's did, gonna happen. What did he think he was going to do with it? I don't know. So his story is that Dale Armstrong... I'll just call her Marge, because... Let's just call her... I just like Marge. Marge. Her name's so long. Marge murdered her boyfriend and wanted Rothstein to keep the body in his garage freezer. If he hadn't called the cops, I don't think this body would have ever been found. He could have hid 30 bodies in that garage and no one would have ever... If that freezer broke down and the body started to smell, no one would have thought, oh, that's decomposition. Bee House is such a wreck. It There's is shit a hoarder's worst nightmare. <laughs> to the point Literally. there were two different cans of cheese wigs whiz next to a TV, which, why do you need two cans at one time? 
come for double fisting, Heather. God. <laughs> Some of us just need the cheese whiz. It is a hoarder's house. So even if you smelled a dead body, you'd probably just assume it's a dead animal. Yeah. No, like literally I made a note that you could have hid like 30 bodies in that chaos. Like I, the man would have never been found out. <laughs> well, and then even literally. when he's like walking him through the basement, like he goes like all the way around because there's so much shit blocking the other way, which would have been quicker. There is a literal pathway <laughs> to the dead body. It it's... is literally like, I've never, and I've watched hoarders. Like, it gave me anxiety. I was frightened. And yet, it's not the worst. No, there is <laughs> worse. It just keeps getting come. worse. Each house is progressively worse. I'm like, how did these people find each other? Oh my god, I hate it. And one of the cop notices that next to the house is a dirt road that, that leads, leads to, to a the transmitting tower where the bomb was placed. Anyway, the body they find is James Roden. Not a lot of information about him other than he was in a relationship and lived with Marge for 10 years and seemed very controlled by her. Marge and Bill Rothstein are going back and forth over who, who killed him, but he was shot twice in the back with a shotgun that had been purchased by Marge out of a newspaper. That's and it where happened, I buy all my handguns. And it happened at her house, so I'm, I'm just going to say she did it. I don't know why he would go over to her house, know where the gun is. Shoot her boyfriend twice. Yes. Take his body over to his house and put it in a freezer. I mean, he could have just shot him, called the cops, said, oh, she did it. Why do you need all this extra? Um, so. But also, can we talk about how the cops were upset that she stunk? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they performed the autopsy on the body and discovered he had been killed three weeks before the bank heist. So at this point, it's been six weeks. The relationship with... Marge and Rothstein is strange. He's never been in a serious relationship with any other woman after he was with her, and she's been in several. I feel like he's always going to be in love with her and do whatever she asked with of him, and she realizes this and just uses it against him. Oh, yeah. He literally is like, I've helped her with lots of things. Not yeah. like this. Ha, ha, ha. And She's then like, oh, so you haven't helped her hide a body before this? Mentioned that, like, he had proposed to her, she turned him down, and he said that she was the only one who would ever break his heart. Yeah. So he, he was, is just always going to be in love committed. with her. They talk a lot about how she was just gorgeous and... She was plain. Yeah. She was... She was more pretty than, like, ugly, but she was definitely... She's plain pretty. I'll yeah. give you that. Yeah, she was. They're like she's gorgeous. They're like even for that time. Yeah, I don't. I didn't. Pretty plain. I didn't. I didn't see it. He was a pretty attractive dude. He was, and I had to like talk myself down. Like chill okay, out. okay. So I'm glad that it wasn't just me because I was like, oh. he's my type. Oh damn. <laughs> <laughs> he was. He was. And also, they talk so much about how she's just brilliant. She's just the smartest woman, and she's so. She's a genius. She, she graduated, like, 12th of her... Yeah. So I... Is Erie, Pennsylvania, was that graduating class just, like, all super geniuses? Or are they really overselling how I've, smart she was? Because she was 12th I feel she just class. talks, 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 talks. So people can't 
focus on what lies because she just keeps at- adding. So you can't just keep she track is, with yeah, her Yeah, she's lies. definitely a mess with rambling. She's not a good liar. No. Despite what these people say, she's not she's a good liar. Not. She just talks so much that you can't stay focused on what's a lie. No, she's definitely... Because she's already just, on to another subject. She's throwing out so much information and so much just like bullshit that it's just you can't because there was one woman who said that she talked to her for two hours and didn't even get a word in the entire time because that like you see her interviews and you're like oh i get that like she she just talks nonstop. it's not often she completes a sentence she'll be in the middle of a sentence move on to something else yeah she's just she's crazy she really is and i don't think that she was as genius as they made her out to be yeah. Because, again, 12th in her graduating class. Well, she talks like she got five degrees, but they only mentioned, like, three of them or something. It was... March was born February 26, 1949, and had a history of suffering from multiple mental illnesses since her early teens. Before her mental health deteriorated in her 20s, she was an exemplary student in high school and earned a master's degree from Gannon College... And March has bad luck with men. She has quite the luck with men. I don't. I wouldn't say it's bad luck when it's her. <laughs> Marge is bad luck. Yes, she was to men. It should be she's bad luck to men, not with men. She was briefly married to Richard Armstrong, who died after hitting his head on a coffee table. Yeah. I'm curious. Especially she... when you find out. <clears throat> the ex-boyfriend well before he was buried she asked for a piece of his leg bone so she could clone him (laughs) (laughs) to be fair i want to clone my dog but i don't know that i'd ever want to clone my husband and then she sued the hospital and won yes i don't understand that because he fell and hit his head like not at the hospital what did it have to do with the hospital i don't know but she apparently is really big into litigation oh my god yeah one boyfriend hung himself after she moved out but she would be that upset she's she's crazy and it's not like mental health stuff i feel like she is very egotistical and she probably was like yeah she's definitely it's more than just like you know normal mental health issues yeah it's 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 a lot if i'm shocked by it it's a lot (laughs) Uh, then in 1984, she shot her boyfriend, Robert Thomas, six times. While he was he sleeping on the couch. Laid on the couch, but was acquitted on claims of self-defense. Which I don't get at all. Like, the man was sleeping on a couch. I give you two shots. After two shots, it's not self-defense. If they're laying on a couch... He wasn't coming at her. I can understand if he's abusive and you're finally like, you know what? I'm not going to get out of this. He can't hurt me right now. Let me just take care of it now. But six shots to do that? It's excessive. It's a lot of of excess. Like the burning bed thing. I'm like, yeah, she definitely had every right to kill that dude. He was a horrible person. This one, I'm like, no, shouldn't take six shots. She has a lot of men tied to her that have died prematurely or in strange circumstances it's very odd she has quite a bit of money from what seems like a lot of frivolous lawsuits and her house is somehow worse than Rothstein's house 
Strange thing I noticed, though, was the kitchen sink. Spotless. There was not even a dirty dish in there. But there's I trash am everywhere very particular about my kitchen sink. I hate when people put dirty dishes in it. That's not where they fucking go. But everything in this house is a mess, but yet the kitchen sink, where you would expect there to be just, like, old dishes sitting in... It was Mold. nothing. They that pulled sink out two... was shiny. Didn't they, they pulled out two dead two cats. dead cats. But her kitchen sink was spotless. Two I found that dead really cats. weird. They said the house is full of, like, feces, and I'm like, why the fuck is there feces? Yeah, there's just two dead cats. She also had alive cats in the house. Yes, it was... So it if you're playing so Hoarders bad. Bingo right now, you won. Yeah, it was like two for two. She very, very clearly has mental health issues and loves to talk. It is endless. I thought it was curious when the TV reporter was interviewing Marge in jail and asked if she knew anything about the Brian Wells case, and her response is she doesn't know a damn thing about the case. She wasn't anywhere around it and would have no reason to rob a bank. So you don't know anything about the case, yet you know where it occurred and that the bank was robbed. Like, you know information about it. If you didn't know anything, you'd be like, no, I've never heard anything about it. I just thought it was weird. So obviously you do know of it. And it's weird that everybody involved with this case is old. The youngest person, I think, is Brian Wells. And even then, he's 46 yeah, just, everyone else is, like, you know, in their 50s, 60s, like... It just seems odd for all of this shit to happen to people receiving mail from AARP. <laughs> this sounds like 20-year-old meth head crimes, and it's... No. <laughs> it's really weird. Um, I just... Well, and when Marge talks about Bill, like... The man was dedicated to her, and she was talking about how, like, she broke up with him, and, and Bill's, like, was into, like, perverted sex, and, like, then she starts talking, like, she goes in depth about it, and it's just, like, you find out that it's, like, anal and oral sex, and I'm like, <laughs> that's perverted? Like, is, is that where we draw the line? Why like she say, like, he would kiss my legs and put it in my legs, and I'm like, what is that? <laughs> yeah! In your legs? <laughs> like, are you... Do you like, mean between or... Yeah, just, she was definitely, like, going hard against Bill. And I'm like, this man hit a body for you. Like, <laughs> I don't think my own husband, who I'm, like, legally married to, would hide a body for me. Like, this, he's done a lot for you. And you want to give, just... you want to dog on him for liking some, like, butt sex? <laughs> like, it's just so weird. Your houses are both disgusting. I don't know why you're complaining about that. You were literally made for each other. Oh, <laughs> like, God. Like, combine your hoarder household. You can have your, like, dead cats and your cheese whiz cans. And just... You can hide all the bodies you want in there. And it's... Oh, God. Because they're not just, like, one-story houses. No. It's several-story houses. <laughs> they're just... Just filled with shit. I've never, I've never seen, like, a situation where hoarders gravitate towards each other in such a way. Oh, like, God. And it's not just one hoarder and one hoarder. It's, there's another third house yeah, we're going to talk gonna, about. We're going to get to the third one. Like. So, anyway, Rothstein is walking the police through the crime scene for the rodent case and mentions how he had attempted suicide and gave the police his note, which he said they found a bag of blood. 
and said that he said that was from his suicide attempt. Who keeps a bag of Who blood? Who keeps a bag like... of blood? <laughs> and they read the note. The very first, first thing, thing he says is this has nothing to do with the Brian Wells case. I'm sorry. Why would you? Why would you start your suicide letter in such a way? It's pretty obvious that what you mean is this has everything to do with the Brian Wells case. Why would you bring that up? That's so weird. So in the end for the Rodin case, Rothstein's given a deal to testify against Marge and receives a couple years in prison for misdemeanor charges. Marge pleads guilty but mentally ill to the murder of Rodin and was sentenced to between 7 and 20 years in prison. After the trial, when Marge is being taken away, she again brings up the Wells case, stop bringing it up, and says Rothstein is trying to rape her. And the woman deputy that's... Oh my god, I made a note of that too! I took a video of it. Literally, she is screaming about them trying to rape her, and the woman, like, the deputy that is, like, leading her just kind of looks Give to her the camera. Give her face, like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, like, how dare you? I like, took a video of it in case you didn't notice it. It is, I was just like, holy shit. It is so <laughs> hilarious, just her face. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? That cop was not having it. <laughs> So great. The director goes to Rothstein's house in Erie to try and get an interview and is filming the front of it and doesn't even mention that there's a blue van in front of the house. Which I noticed right away. Surprisingly. Like, how did you not notice this? It's a pretty detail-specific thing about... The one cop kept saying, like, I saw a blue van. I saw a blue van there. I kept telling other cops about it. Nobody would put it in their notes, but I'm telling you, there was a blue van there. And this guy's right in front of it and was like, oh, didn't notice it. It's so weird. Rothstein was admitted to Mill Creek Community Hospital on July 23rd, 2004, having previously been diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and died on July 30th that year at the age of 60. And we never find anything else out about the Brian Wells case, so... We'll see you next week. Psych! In April 2005... There's still three more episodes. (laughs) April 2005, Marge told a state trooper she had information about the Wells case, and after meeting with FBI agents, said she would tell them everything she knew if she was transferred from Muncie Correctional Institution to a minimum security prison in Cambridge Springs. So the cops, surprisingly, still have all the shit from her house in storage. So they decide. That must have been like a massive storage oh my unit. God. So they decide to do a little digging, which I don't know what a little. It was is. a lot of digging. <laughs> they had to do a very extensive dig through the piles of uh, shit from her house. It had to stink. They find a letter she had written complaining that a bank had allowed her father to take things from her mother's estate she felt didn't belong to him, and she was very upset. The bank involved just so happened to be the PNC bank that Wells had robbed. Weird. So they're basically just starting over with this case, looking through evidence. The director finally realizes about the blue van in front of Rothstein's house. Crazy. Shows it to the cool cop with awesome hats. Love that guy. And that guy agrees it's the van he saw. They're going over video evidence of Rothstein's house and notices a piece of paper with a diagram that looks similar to the bomb. 
how did you not just <sighs> you have video footage inside this guy's house and you never looked through it <sighs> ever there's he was hiding a, a body there's a lot in this case that they could have solved this much sooner if they had just paid attention well and i think that they even mentioned that like it was difficult because everyone was working against each other you know they've got the state yeah. police and fbi fbi and, and atf, ATF and, and like no one wants to like cooperate they're all trying to keep shit to themselves so and, stupid and it's like you're all in this together so they're convinced that despite saying his his note saying he wasn't involved with the wells case he, he might have been lying and he fucking got away with it because he's he dead. died. Luckiest dude. Well, and you know, he just happened to have a body in his freezer, you know, but he's dying, so. And it's nothing to do with the Wells case. It doesn't. It shit doesn't matter. And even his friend in this is looking at some scribble writing they found on the notes from when they do that color lighting thing. Yeah, he, the the notes that were, you know, transfer from like yeah. the, the rubbings or whatever. Yeah. And he's like, oh. And he's looking at that. He's like the best man at my wedding. I knew him so well. He would never do this. Then he looks at those and he's like, this kind of looks like his writing. Definitely. It's not kind of. It's definitely his writing. Like, this guy is so sure about it. And he's like, I guess I didn't know him after all. But it's so sad seeing the shock kind of go over his face when he's he's just like. He's been defending him. Yeah. He's like, he was the best man at my wedding. He would never do something like that. He was a great guy and blah, 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 blah. And then it just like, he looks at those and he's like. I thought it was going to be the jinx. Like he looks at it and just starts burping. (laughs) 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 But no, he's like, oh yeah, he, he was involved. So at this point, witnesses are coming forward. Which I love all the eyewitnesses. All their accounts are, her eyes are scary and I'll never forget them. <laughs> Every single eyewitness is like, I knew it was her because of her eyes. She was like a wild woman. Like she literally like looked, when you see footage of her, like when she's being arrested or when she's like being transferred or anything like that, she's got like the wild hair and like she looks like a wild woman with like the dark eyes and they're just, it's kind of spooky. Big eyes that are just like, like she's constantly being surprised. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the places one of them places her on a road nearby but they don't really explain like what time of day it was where exactly in relation to they kind was of that just, the one where they said she was driving the wrong direction yeah yeah but she was go going the it. wrong way on the road but i'm like okay what time of day is it where is it in relation to all the bomb stuff that was yeah, happening just i don't and another place her at the payphone with Ross Dean placing that call to the pizzeria. And then the women that she was in jail with come forward. And I they love them. do not like her. They say that Marge told them she killed Roden because he was going to uncover the bomb plot. One of the women even took notes of everything she wrote. <laughs> she was literally like, Marge was talking and she's just like, uh-huh, 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 yeah. And what was that last thing? So, yeah, can you... So Marge knew she's writing this stuff she down. She was literally doing it and she was taking notes in front of Marge. And Marge was just like, I'm going to keep talking because she's I'm a fucking genius. crazy. She's a genius. <laughs> yeah, like, That's one of those. I'm like, she's not that smart. Dude, I'm talking to someone and they're like writing notes. I'm be like, what are you writing down? Like, what, she's what is that? She's not that smart. It's just people are too scared to call her out on her shit. So like she, she must be smart. It was like she thought these like fellow inmates were just like her therapist. Yeah. And, like she wasn't going to get in trouble. That's... <laughs> this bitch likes to talk. 
so yeah she's taking notes on everything she talked about including the bomb shit I just I know I I can I I am shocked that they think she's a genius she is not a genius and so this woman hands everything over to the cops doing the during the rodent investigation and did they just not bother to read them of course these letters basically had all the information they needed and they just sat in a folder in somebody's desk yeah just you have someone that's willing to snitch and you don't even bother reading what they have to say talking all about the bomb plot that Rodin wasn't murdered in self-defense Rothstein was definitely involved with the bomb stuff and so was his roommate Jay Stockton who was on the run for raping a disabled teenager that guy deserves to burn in hell and ties all of it to Brian Wells to the case by stating it's not like we didn't measure his neck for the bomb so pretty damning evidence that was sitting in a folder in somebody's desk it's very frustrating how much of this just doesn't get passed along she's of course claiming that all these women are lying but how would they have known so many of the details <laughs> stupid they also knew that or she had told them that she thought she had been spotted near the scene was near the phone with Rostine. Or even, how would they know Stockton's name and that he was a roommate of Rothstein? Yeah. It's pretty, like, how did they get that evidence? I mean, (laughs) Erie can't be that small of a a town. I mean, they've got, like, 40 hookers. (laughs) They also talked to Marge's fishing buddy. (laughs) They keep mentioning that. That he's a fishing buddy. (laughs) Turns out he's a little bit more than a fishing buddy. Ken Barnes, who has a connection to Wells through a sex worker named Jessica Hoopsick. So they can kind of tie Wells to these groups of people. I guess she and Wells would drive over to, this is the weirdest cut out the middleman thing. Yeah, it was quite the operation. (laughs) She and Wells would drive over to Ken Barnes' house where she and Wells would have sex. In his house. Which was another hoarder home. Yeah, it literally, there was a mattress in a room upstairs where she would conduct her business and then she would take the money from Wells to buy drugs from Ken Barnes. All in the same house. All in the same house. Which when they were like, yeah, we went over to his house to have sex. I was like, okay. But then you see the house and you're like, why? This isn't even any of your houses. It's bad enough that you're having sex with a hooker. No, that's fine. But you're doing it in her drug dealer's house that is disgusting on a bare mattress on the floor. I've had some relations in some interesting places, but never quite like that. There's at least a sheet on the mattress. Give myself that. Yeah, like there wasn't even a bed sheet. You could walk through the room. You didn't have to follow a path because there's so much shit around. It was so gross. So bad. There's nothing wrong with meeting with the sex worker, but when it's in these conditions, no, and I question things. Sex work is a real job. Like, yes. it's a thing. Like, you know, full power to them. A blowjob's still a job. It is. <laughs> <laughs> and they were working hard. But it's just this house is... Uh, it's gross. It, I mean, I've I, never known so many hoarders in one friendship group. 
No, and that's what I'm so baffled by. I'm like, how did they, like, were they at, like, a Hoarders Anonymous thing? And then, like, they just became friends through that, and that's how he became her fishing buddy? Or, like, maybe, like, the fishing strengthened their relationship? When I think his, I want to say that, like, the fishing buddy was, like, something like 49 or something, and then, like, they, they were talking about his girlfriend or something, and, like, I think she was, like, 70 or Yes, I did notice. Well, his name was Ken Barnes, but he gave himself the nickname Cocaine Ken, but he sold crack. <laughs> Cocaine sounds so like, classier. Not, it's like, no, you're not even selling that. You also can't give yourself a nickname. No, like Everybody knows that. Yeah. <laughs> Cocaine Ken. It is classier, though. I mean, if I had to be known for selling something, I would, I would definitely want to be. Cocaine? Cocaine. <laughs> I could be cocaine cat. He'd pay her. She'd turn around by the crack. So we know now that Wells and Barnes knew each other. Crack is whack, y'all. <laughs> so Barnes says he wasn't involved with the bank robbery, but Marge did ask him to do the bank robbery and also to kill her dad. Which he was like, I wasn't going to do it. Ha ha ha. Like, I was just telling her that if she got me this much money, like, you know, I would do it. But I wasn't going to do it, guys. Wasn't going to do it. She wanted her dad dead because he was spending her inheritance. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, that's not your money. I know there's another case I heard where the guy asked for, like, the money up front for the killing, and then he just left, took off, and went somewhere else. So I was like, yeah, this I can buy. He said he was going to take, like, the money up front and then just leave, not do the killing. How is he going to leave? He's cocaine kid. (laughs) He just, like, ditched the town. Like, that's some shady shit. Pennsylvania, you can go anywhere. They even said, like, here's Ohio. and Yeah, like, you could be in another state in ten minutes. And it's so frustrating because, again, cops find more evidence that they've been sitting on. During an interview with Barnes about the rodent investigation, why did I repeat that? He had mentioned that Bar- Marge wanted to rob a bank to give Barnes $250,000 to kill her dad, which happened to be... The same amount that, that they wanted Brian from the Wells bank. asked for. Yeah, that's kind of weird. The inc- that's a pretty precise number. The incompetence in this just makes you want to scream. Also, he was ashing a cigarette in a giant coffee can. <laughs> I saw that. Like, it was so weird. They didn't you have cut a the top ashtray. off a soda can. Everybody knows this. Why do you need this giant coffee can? Was it his? Did the cops provide it? <laughs> How many cigarettes take to fill that thing? It just seemed excessive. I couldn't it stop was, looking at it. It was bizarre. It was it was real bizarre. It was so weird. That's a lot of cigarettes to fill that up. And then we find out she wasn't even in her dad's will. Yeah, that was pretty epic. Amazing. She was going to kill this sweet old man for nothing. He was so sweet. She keeps talking about how she's rich, and yet her dad says she only comes around when she needs money. But he also says she's a great liar, so... He at least knew his daughter was a liar and yeah. could not be trusted, which I, I don't think she's a great liar. She's just a liar. She doesn't she know. Just, she just lies so much that it's yeah. like hard to keep track. And she doesn't know anything. She's not involved. So, But she does admit to giving Rothstein two kitchen timers to use in the bomb. But which, she doesn't know anything. She's not involved. Which is interesting. How did she You're know not going to ask why even... somebody needs to? Yeah. <laughs> well, and like, how, do you, how did you know that there were two kitchen timers used in the yeah. bomb? Interesting. Because if somebody asks you to go buy them kitchen timers, you're not going to question, why do you need two? 
and why do I need to buy them for you? Why can yeah, you not buy your three own bucks? kitchen timers? I don't know. I don't know how much they cost, but I'm sure it's not that much. Yeah, hit up some Walmart. He doesn't have enough shit in his house. You think he might have one there somewhere? Bro probably has like two or three in his house. <laughs> December 9th, 2005, Ken Barnes finally cracks. He admits he was in on the heist and that Marge was the mastermind. That one, I don't know. No. The evil mastermind is named for her. I I don't know if she was really a mastermind. I think Bill I was. I thought it was a co-mastermind thing <laughs> between them. So Jim Roden was supposed to be the getaway driver. Don't know why they needed a getaway driver. Yeah, you were nowhere near the bank. And once he said he would go to the cops, Marge killed him. He was with Rothstein and Marge to make the phone call and then went back to Rothstein's house to go over to the tower site. Brian shows up to deliver the pizzas and was expecting to get paid, which is confusing because if he was in on it, why would he... Why would he, he think that he was getting money for pizzas when he knew he had to go rob the bank? He, he wasn't going to go, go back. He had to go be kidnapped. And... It's, it's so weird. So Stockton... I find it weird that they were talking about how they were sitting around eating the pizza. Just yeah. Like, what? Everything about this is just too calm. Yeah. These people have a lot of chill. Stockton shows up with the collar bomb, and Brian gets scared and starts to run, which, again, makes me question his involvement. Yeah. I, there's so much. If he knew it was happening, Because I'll hear one thing, and I'm like, scared. yeah, he was definitely. And then I hear another thing, and I'm like, well, maybe he wasn't. But then I go back to his reaction in that bank. Yeah. It just, I, I am, I have no idea. I just, I can't. I have no idea. Like, even if you were innocent, you have a bomb to your neck and you're not freaking out? I would be shitting my pants. It's so weird. Rothstein pulls out a gun and fires it into the air to scare Brian, and then they grab him to attach the bomb. They put the guest shirt on him to hide the bomb, hand him the notes, and tell him if he gets caught to just blame the black eyes. (laughs) And then they hand him the shotgun cane gun thing, which... If he wasn't in on this, why wouldn't he just use that against them? That's what I was thinking. Like, he could just shoot them and then, you know, go get help. Like, he didn't need to rob the bank and do all that stuff. This was just another thing where I'm like, well, then why wouldn't he do that? It's... I'm constantly going back and forth on it. Okay, so I... And I... I don't think that they had any other weapon. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they had a Well, they said he had the one gun to shoot up in the air. But if you also have a gun, you think you'd at least, if you shoot that guy, the one with the gun, I mean. Good to go. What are they going to do? you got a bomb around your neck. It's just so bizarre. So Marge and Ken leave to park across the street from the bank to watch Brian. And once the cops show up, they leave to go back to Rothstein's house to switch vehicles to head over to that last point on the scavenger hunt. And according to Barnes, they all thought it was fake. The bomb was fake, except for Marge and Rothstein. So I was confused about this part. The eyewitness said that she was in a gold car when she was going the wrong way on the highway. Was that right? But that was supposedly going to where that scavenger point area was, where the cop sees a blue van. I I was very confused. Well, and I I thought they said the blue van had two people in it, or I don't know. But it was just that eyewitness said she was in a gold car. So I was confused about... How they got to the blue van. Yeah, it's, it's very confusing. Like, they were going all around, just... Because 
driving around Erie. Looking. That's why I was like, maybe was it going to Rothstein's house to switch the cars? She was in a gold car. They don't really go into that. Yeah, I mean, I think I think their whole operation was a lot of work for nothing. <laughs> yes, it really was. They go to talk to Stockton to confirm everything and give him fucking immunity. I just want to remind you, Stockton was the guy who raped a disabled teenager. He was... At one point, he literally said something about how, like, he's a rapist, not a murderer, or something like that. And I'm like... You raped a disabled disabled. teenager. She was, like, 14. Like... What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. Like, I think that you're a pretty shitty person even without being a murderer like uh, we get to the end of this and I'll just wait I get even more mad about this guy so he was originally in charge of making the collar bomb but wasn't successful so Rothstein did it surprise I mean, that this rapist didn't know how to build a bomb we all knew Rothstein was the one who made it yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's the only one that like really seemed like he had the smarts yes he was a handyman and he seemed like the kind of guy who would even if he hadn't died early would end up hating the government and make bombs and shit anyway he just seems like that type of person I can see it but he kind of confirms everything that Barnes had told him and March was definitely involved I know I know she kept saying she wasn't she's like she liar. is <laughs> but both of these Accounts also confirmed that Panetti was involved, the other pizza what? driver, but no one can say what his role was. He was just, <laughs> he was just like hanging on, like the whole pizza place was in on it. But the game. Wells connection is probably the weirdest because he claimed to be terrified to have the bomb put on him, but the way he was acting at the bank, it's he's super chill. So it's I don't know how. I take their accounts with a grain of salt. Well, especially when you find out that as long as he's a co-conspirator, they can't be Yeah, later on, they for... figure out that, yeah, if as long as Wells is a co-conspirator, they can't be charged with the death penalty. So, of course, everyone's going to say... Yeah, he was in on it because, hello, death penalty. Yeah, but I'm like, you guys are fucking old anyway. Who cares? <laughs> they finally file charges against Marge and Barnes. Barnes is never referred to as a friend of hers. It's always a fishing buddy. September 3rd, 2008, Barnes pleads guilty to conspiring to rob a bank and to aiding and abetting. December 3rd, that same year, he's sentenced to 45 years in prison by a federal judge in Erie for his role in the crime. Marge's court date keeps getting pushed back because she's mentally incompetent. But finally, on October 15, 2010, she has her court date. Stockton's not going to be able to testify against her because he's having heart surgery. And everybody else involved with this is dead. So it's kind of a tough case going into this. Yeah, there's... You basically just have eyewitnesses. There's not a lot of, like... There's no physical physical evidence. evidence. Yeah. Really tying anybody to this. After 10 days, it's handed over to the jurors. And a day and a half later, they reach a verdict of guilty on all charges. Armed bank robbery, conspiracy to commit armed bank robbery, which... And of using a destructive device in a crime. She's sentenced to life in prison plus 30 years to be served consecutively with the prison term she got in 2005 for killing Rodin. She tries to appeal a couple of times, but they're denied. Yeah, like, bro, it's not happening. (laughs) Even after this trial, we still don't have the full story on what happened or 
even who was really involved and what their parts were in this whole thing. But we finally get a real interview with Hoopsick. She says she was there. Can we just take a moment to, like, did you notice that in her text message that she sent him? What it was it? Number one number white girl? Number one white girl. <laughs> yes. No, number one white girl. Is that her, like, sex worker name or, like, her tagline for her job? I, I don't know. But yeah, she signed the text message, number one white girl. Which you don't need to sign text messages. Yeah. It's so bizarre. Only old people do that. It's so bizarre. Like, we know who they're coming from. Yes. You don't have to, you don't have to sign that. It's like when somebody calls you, you answer and they go, hey, it's this. I I know. Your your name popped up on my phone. Hey, it's your mom. Yeah, I know. I know your number. You've had the same number for like 25 years. Again, only old people do that. <laughs> uh, she says that she was there when they were planning the bank robbery, and she was asked to find someone they could use, kind of a pushover, yeah. a gopher, I think she said. Yeah, um, a gopher. In exchange for drugs and money, and she put forth Wells, because he's kind of a wimpy guy. She believed the bomb was fake, and also that Wells wasn't there during the pre-planning meeting the day before the robbery. Yeah, she said that he wasn't in on it. He was just, like, the patsy. But then later on, Barnes slips up and admits that there was no pre-planned meeting with Wells before the heist. It's like... How could he be in on it then? So Stockton served his sentence, got married, and moved to Washington. Who married this guy? You just have a disabled teenager. Who married this guy? Ken Barnes did well in prison because he was able to get off drugs. Yeah, he said it was the best thing to ever happen. Off of drugs. He suffered from diabetes and died in prison on June 20th, 2019. Marge died from breast cancer in prison on April 4th, 2017, at the age of 68, and is buried in an unmarked grave. Good for her. Jessica Hoopstick still feels regret for Wells' death and. I'm sure, especially because shortly after the heist, she gave birth and believes Brian was the father. And apparently photos of the kids bear a resemblance to him. Which, I mean, he has the face of a baby anyway. (laughs) The 2011 American comedy film, 30 Minutes or Less, depicts a pizza delivery man being forced to wear a bomb vest and rob a bank. I saw this movie and I... The film's similarity to the Wells case was criticized by the Wells family, but Sony Pictures Motion Picture Group says the filmmakers were not aware of the Wells case. Hmm. I call bullshit on that. I mean, but that's really the only similarities of pizza delivery driver. Yeah, it was definitely like... <laughs> After that, the similarities end. Yeah. It was definitely an interesting thing to take. Because I remember seeing it in theaters. I was like, oh, it's kind of like that. But that was it. The rest of the story has nothing to do with any of that. Yeah, it, interesting, you know inspiration for a film but yeah so what do you think you think he was involved I, or are you oh still kind god of i am like so torn on this because again i like my first thought is like who the fuck would be like okay yeah sure and i don't trust anyone like but i think i feel like everybody said they thought the bomb was fake right it was only rothstein and march who knew it was real but i wouldn't trust I mean, especially when money's involved. And you see how many cases where people, like, t- 
turn on their team members or whatever mm-hmm. in in situations where money's involved and like kill them or you know leave them out of the hook or I don't know I just I don't I'm so I'm like 50 50 I really if can't we didn't have the way he reacted at that bank right if I didn't see how he reacted at the bank if I didn't like see he him in line like in line you got a bomb around your neck bro like when you're robbing a bank you don't wait in line you just like go right up to the teller and you'll be like hey i got a bomb yeah he was just so calm and cool in there he's swinging like the bag as he's walking out i and if and also like when you see him sitting with like yeah it's not like please get this off please it's just hey hey there's a bomb yeah he's just really relaxed he's like really gonna get this off yeah (laughs) he's like I'm serious, like, it's gonna go off, and just, I don't know, he's just too mellow. And he doesn't start fidgeting until the bomb starts beeping. Like, almost like, then he realizes, oh, it's real. Yeah, I think, I, I think that he probably played a part in it, and he knew. And, I mean, maybe he didn't realize that he'd be the one wearing it. And that's what I was thinking, maybe that's why he reacted. Because they also said that once he showed up, it was like, hey, we're doing this today. Yeah, like, so maybe he didn't realize that it was going to happen that day. Maybe he didn't realize that he'd be the one wearing it. Like, you know, maybe he didn't expect that, but he probably did think it was fake. He probably did have some some part in the whole process and, you know, knew it was going to happen eventually or something. But, I mean, just because he was so calm, like... If you're in a situation, like, if you're in a hostage situation, I, yeah, I like, understand people act differently to things, but there's a bomb on you. Yeah, like, you're literally, like, you had to rob a bank. I feel like Marge definitely came up with the idea to rob the bank, but I think most of the planning was probably Brotstein. I feel like he more wants to show how smart he is to try to impress Marge, but I don't think she was, like, the main planner for all this. I feel like it was a co-kind of thing. Like, maybe they're sitting there tossing ideas back and forth. I don't think it was just one person who did all of this planning, and it just didn't feel that way. The whole thing is just insane. It's the craziest, like, and it's and we the still only situation. don't know <laughs> actually what happened. Yeah, it's, it's literally the only situation where a bomb was used to rob a bank, like. Because didn't you say, like, two to three times people, or, like, two to three percent of people say they have a bomb or something like that, but only, like, this was the only case where somebody actually did have an active bomb. Yeah, like, just super bizarre, the whole situation. And then, yeah, once they came out and said, yeah, Brian Wells was a conspirator, his family were very upset, which I can understand, but, I mean, all this evidence, I think, I'll settle and say he was involved. I'll say, yeah, I'll (laughs) say he was involved but that he did not know that it was a real bomb. Yeah. Because if he knew it was a real bomb, he definitely would have reacted differently. Yeah. At the very least, just watch the footage of him in the bank. Yeah, it's so weird. Stockton's the only one still alive. <laughs> I Yeah, I, I found it kind of like karma that everyone died pretty young. Not like, I mean, not like super young, but like, I mean, in your 60s, it's still pretty young. I mean, for all this to happen, and then, like, it hadn't even been 20 years, and everyone's dead except for one guy. Didn't even get anything out of it, like. No. 
I just like that even if it had been successful, they would have had like $8,000. Which is not enough money to do any of that. It's so funny. I wouldn't have even done the scavenger hunt for (laughs) $8,000. You show me how that huge list, I'd be like, you know what, just kill me now. Yeah, like, I'm going to pass. I'm just going to go ahead and sit here, wait for the bomb to go off. Like, we're good. I don't feel like robbing a bank for it's so a lot of work. It's so weird. It's a good documentary, though. Like, yeah. It's definitely, and I've seen it twice. It's, it's a solid one. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of work put into it. No, that's what's so weird is we still don't know. All right, that's going to do it this week. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.